1: And welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Captain Shenko,
0: And I'm Psych88. And welcome to Season 3.
1: And can I just say that it's really good to be back. I've been having a lot of fun doing interviews for my other show, but there's nothing quite like having an amazing partner to do a show with.
0: Oh, thanks. Same.
1: That being said, today we take a look at this. <laughs> it's X-Men Origins Wolverine. A film that can be described by simply...
0: Ugh. <laughs> yeah.
1: I kind of want to cruise through my synopsis for this because I certainly have a lot of feelings. And what a way to kick off the season, man.
0: I I know, right? Like, this just kind of happened to work itself out that way. Um, And I've got plenty of feelings on this. Uh, in fact, I've got so many. I'm going to have to be really quiet during this next bit, because otherwise, we'll never get through it. (laughs) So, without further ado, Genesis. If you're looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry, lovelies, you are in the wrong place. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Jen. All right. So, we start out in 1845 with just a little lad. And he's seeing his father being murdered by the groundskeeper. (laughs) As we know, mutant abilities manifest either at puberty or in moments of intense emotional distress. Certainly distressing to see your father being murdered by, guess who, your biological father, as it turns out. So we get a lovely glimpse at the bone claws. (laughs)
0: I <laughs> uh. kind
1: of like not do this. Uh,
0: just let's move on. Yep, they're bone claws. It's a child. He's going into
1: a feral rampage. Moving on. Long story short, young James flees with Thomas's other son, Victor Creed, who will later become Sabretooth. Who's his half brother, and instead of claws, he just has really long, gross fingernails (laughs) and a healing factor. They spend the next hundred years fighting in every battle that they can find from the American Civil War to both world wars, Vietnam, everything. If there is violence and killing to be done, that's where Victor wants to be, and by default, so is Logan. Yep. Alright, so in Vietnam, Victor is becoming more and more aggressive, and he attempts to force himself on a woman and kills a senior officer. Like you do. This then gets the pair sentenced to execution, which, of course, doesn't really work on them. They just heal from all of it and survive. Stryker offers them... Spots on Team X, which is a group of mutants made up of Wade Wilson. I have feelings about this one. We're going to talk about it later. I love Ryan Reynolds. What have they done to my boy? John Wraith, Agent Zero, Fred Dukes, Chris Bradley. And they form this team to go on high-risk missions you know, maximum casualties. One of the things I do give this movie props on was the scene with Ryan Reynolds performing the double katana sequence with all the shooters and deflecting bullets. I've mentioned this a few times to some of my friends in the martial arts world that he was basically just doing sinawali, which is a technique that comes from Kali. And... He definitely would have been Swiss cheese had he attempted this in real life. But because of movie armor, he just looks really cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the funnier scenes. Uh, My wife and I quote um, his line um, all the time because it's one of the funnier ones. Um, You can come in now. People are dead. Like we quote it to each other all the time. uh, Just completely out of context.
1: (laughs) So... Logan's a little bit he doesn't like how impersonal and how crazy and the, the lack of empathy and the lack of humanity that this group has. So Logan decides to leave. And he settles down to become a logger in good old Canada. He's our favorite Canadian. And he's living there in a cabin with his girlfriend Kayla Silverfox. He has a beautiful life supposedly.
0: Mhm. Uh-huh.
1: Stryker never lost track of him and approaches Logan to tell him that members of his team had been targeted and killed. Logan tells him flat out that he doesn't want to rejoin him and then finds his girlfriend dead in the woods. Guess who's responsible? Sabretooth. Yeah, Sabretooth is responsible. Logan tracks him to a bar and gets his ass handed to him. It's explained to him that Victor's gone rogue, and Stryker offers Logan that classic offer you can't refuse to get strong enough to avenge his girlfriend and defeat Sabretooth. And that offer is an extremely invasive and painful medical procedure to fuse metal to his skeleton. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, he agreed to it. Yeah, he agreed. Uh, Who looks at those papers and goes, yep, that's the way to go? That sounds good. I think one of the, you know, they they had the gratuitous kind of water tank with Hugh Jackman all shredded with the tubes coming out of him.
0: All of this movie was gratuitous, but...
1: (laughs) And they, you know... They say that they're gonna wipe Logan's mind and he ends up escaping before that. And boy, boy ain't got no clothes.
0: <laughs> mm, yep. Yeah, that totally happens.
1: <sighs> this is a family show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I uh, know. So we get to see far too much of Hugh Jackman running through the through the snow. Naked as the day he was born. <laughs> and he escapes to a farm where the couple there clothes him and feeds him and then gets caught in the crossfire of Wolverine's crazy life i loved the part here too where he sits down on the motorcycle and he's a lot heavier now that his skeleton is made of adamantium and he just squats that bike yeah and the and the old guys like oh heavier than you look
0: uh and you know I think that was preceded by one of the most egregious uses of c g i ever in the bathroom where he tests his claws. that was awful
1: oh uh, the c g i claws were bad. I think I almost like the bone claws better than the c g i claws
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the bone claws they just they didn't make a whole lot of sense. When you looked at them, they were all knotted and stuff. They didn't look like they had a cutting edge at all. And then, and then the claws looked nothing like the bone claws. So, what what was the point? The metal, you know what? Nope, nope. Moving on. Agent Zero blows up the old people, and we have big massive explosion because this whole movie is gratuitous. Moving on.
1: Yeah. So lots of explosions, and then. Logan ends up locating uh, Dukes at a boxing gym in Las Vegas. And Homie's a little bigger than the last time he was seen.
0: This was offensive on all levels. This whole, I mean, this movie's offensive on all levels, but...
1: He explains that Sabretooth is still working for Stryker, and he's hunting down specific mutants for Stryker to experiment on. And it's located on just the island. He also mentions one of our favorite raging Cajuns, Remy Lebeau, otherwise known as Gambit. You know, I didn't hate this Gambit.
0: No, I didn't hate this Gambit either, to be honest. This kid, this power set, this character was just wasted on this travesty of a movie. Yeah. And he just didn't get enough time to shine because in all honesty he has he has the introductory scene in the club in New Orleans with the cards then we have the back alley fight and then he he uh pilots the plane and that is all Gambit does in this entire movie and that's a big disservice to the character to the fan base and to decent humankind
1: and yet he was still one of the best parts of this film
0: <laughs> well when you're in a pile of manure, there there's only gonna be a couple of good points in it.
1: Even some turds shine.
0: <laughs> I will say I did like the one line when Sabretooth catches up with Wraith's character. Um he he's teleporting around and Sabretooth figures out the teleporting pattern that Wraith is using, he spins and catches him just where Wraith's going to appear, and he says to him, Funny, I didn't know you had a spine, and then he snaps it. Cause he had got his hand in in uh, Wraith's like chest and grabbed his spine just as he poured it in. I, I I I will admit that line was that that line amuses me. Regardless, it's a terrible movie. It's cliched. It is hackneyed beyond all belief. But I still like it. It's still funny. Probably shouldn't be funny, but anyway.
1: Gambit was one of the was. The only person who had escaped from the island, so he knows where it is. And he agrees to take them there. Gambit takes Logan to Stryker's facility on Three Mile Island. And Logan finds out that his girlfriend is still alive and kicking. He also finds out that she was being made by Stryker to keep an eye on him and... This was all in exchange for her sister's safety. Stryker, of course, does the bad guy thing and doesn't keep up his end of the bargain and doesn't release her sister. And he also tells Victor, no, we're not going to give you the adamantium skeleton because, like, you you wouldn't survive. Yeah. So (laughs) he's just uh, double-crossing all of his people left and right. On top of that... He also activates Weapon 11. I'm gonna let the silence speak for itself for just a moment. This... <laughs>
0: abomination.
1: Yeah, it is an abomination. And not not in a good way.
0: No, I mean, very rarely does one use that word in a good way, but in this case it is.
1: It's appropriate. It's appropriate. Um, so this was supposed to be Deadpool. They gave him katana claws, which, like, where do they come from? When they're, when, when they're retracted, like, when they're up in his arms, can he bend his arms at the elbow? No. like none of this movie works. The mouth, the eyes, the baldness, the weird body art, um, the whole thing's just a, it was a disaster. It was a disaster, and we don't want to talk about it. And, you know, it makes me really, really sad, because on top of that, like, on top of the power plant thing, when Sabretooth and Wolverine were fighting back-to-back against Freakpool, (laughs) you know, I want to highlight that as a great fight scene, because it was very dynamic, and it was good-ish, but I can't get over what they did to my boy.
0: No one can. I mean... Reynolds didn't even do those scenes. I believe that was his uh, uh, stunt lookalike for all of that afterward.
1: Well, you know, Ryan Reynolds is kind of well known for loving the source material. And I can imagine that they presented him with this absolute dumpster fire. And he was like, excuse me, what? I'm Wade Wilson. What is this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I believe he had to do it the way they wanted to for him to even get green lit for Deadpool later, if I remember my rumor mill correctly. But anyway, we've spent enough time on Freakpool. I like that name. We're going to use it from now on.
1: All right. Um, (laughs) that's the official. We'll make uh, that. That'll be on the merch.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You can get your own Freakpool t-shirt by signing up for our tier five level. Anyway,
1: so yeah, after Logan and Victor fight off Weapon 11, uh, you know, Kayla's not doing so hot, but she ends up leading the mutants that were there to press to Professor X and Logan kills Weapon 11. Stryker shoots Logan with an adamantium bullet, which is one of the few things that he can't fully heal from, I guess. Before Stryker can shoot and kill Kayla, she uses her power to uh, make him turn and walk until his feet bleed before she she dies. Which, that, you know, fair. He deserved it. Mm Mm-hmm. Logan regains consciousness, but has complete amnesia. He sees that his dog tags have, you know, his two aliases, Logan and Wolverine, on them. And... She kinda looks over at his girlfriend's corpse and is like, oh, uh, yeah, that's a that's a dead girl. I don't know who that is. And then we get our uh, our couple of end credit scenes, because you know, we we're finally at the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. Striker's detained for questioning by the military police, and this is in connection to the murder of General Munson. And then in the post-credit scene yeah, we find out that Weapon Eleven is not not very dead because they gave him the healing factor and all the crazy superpowers. So, uh, yeah, he's alive, and that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: Oof! Oh my god. Okay. <sighs> okay, we got you. Did a,
1: you did so good holding I in did. your feelings? I'm so I proud did. of you.
0: Thank you, thank you so much. Pat, pat. This movie was hot garbage from the word go i shouldn't bash works uh, as an actor um you know the, there's kind of like a it's an unstated rule that you ever, you're all in this together but you also just can't ignore when you're handed you know, a steaming pile of crap and and put a smile on your face and say oh thank you for this wonderful terramasu or whatever like it's this is objectively a bad movie it is also personally a bad movie it is a stain on the x-men franchise overall it almost killed any hopes of a deadpool movie and it completely destroyed the franchise of the uh, x-men origins franchise like the, the whole idea here was to do other origin movies there was supposed to be a magneto one and something else all those ideas got lumped together into what would become first class too, which I would say is the betterment for all of us. But this movie, <clears throat> this movie was just painful to get through. It's offensive, both uh, on a comic book level and to an audience level. And uh, honestly, this is like a level of hell for people. Uh, like, <laughs> You get sent to hell. You get to watch this movie on repeat uh, for eternity.
1: We only get to see that that scene where Freakpool shows up and and Logan says, they finally found a way to shut you up. <laughs> Just on repeat. And so then you get that reveal, you know? And then you you get that one bit where the, the swords come out of his hands, because that makes sense. Oh, uh-huh, God. Where do they go? Where do they go?
0: <laughs> Where do they come from? How does he bend it? Like, oh my god, yeah. Um, and oh, oh, uh, adamantium bullets. It's the only thing that can affect someone with adamantium. And I'm like, so, okay, Chanko. I'm going to hand you an iron shield. And I have an iron sword. And because we have iron, my sword's going to go through your shield because that's how physics works. Except, quite literally, that's not. That's not how any of this works. To completely ignore the lore of the trauma of having a liquid hot metal poured directly into your body and have it fused to your skeleton a- as the catalyst for his memory loss was a massive misstep. Like, that that's not just canonized or anything. That's like... Like You go ask random people on the street random Marvel knowledge, most people know that. They know Peter Parker's Spider-Man and they know Wolverine's got some metal in him and it made him lose his memory. That's it. Oh, There were bad uses of characters. There were terrible uses of actors. I mean, you had heavy hitters like uh, Dominic uh, Monaghan uh, as Chris Bradley. Uh, people would recognize his name from, uh, I believe, lost and Oh lord of the rings where he played mary and he's in a whole mm, three scenes and one of them is his death scene um you have the inclusion of will i am from the black eyed peas i i literally don't even know why like i don't know how he got there we'll discuss the uh origin book but one of the big staples is that um Wolverine and Sabretooth they are not related and yet this movie goes literally out of its way to relate them which completely contradicts the first X-Men movie where Sabretooth literally has no idea or care about who Wolverine is if he was his brother uh why didn't we get more out of that Sabretooth than we get out of Leif Schreiber here as Sabretooth
1: this this movie didn't know what it was doing with its with its characters or the story i feel like they took a bunch of plot points they thought would work threw them all at the wall and took absolutely everything that stuck and made this
0: yeah uh so funny thing right um this was made at at like the heyday of uh uh, movie tied in uh, video games where you you got the movie and then someone made a video game based on it
1: there's a game
0: there's a game it is better than the movie which is like <laughs> unheard of
1: on video <laughs> game
0: tie-ins most of the time the video game is god-awful because it had a rushed production because it had to match the movie production so you only had like two two and a half years to work on it from from the word "go," and yet they put together a more well crafted storyline than this heap of dung could ever do um and it had one of the best i'd say um like uses of the healing mechanic like Wolverine would take damage his 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 body would take damage you could see bullet holes or or whatever and you could watch parts of him come back like down to the skeleton you could watch the the muscle knit together and then the skin would come together it was really cool when when someone says a video game tie-in is better than the source material that's about as low as you can get
1: yikes and that's all i have to say on that uh yeah I, i think it's safe to say that neither of us have love for this film no, this was the one that we both kind of looked at on the on the docket and went,
0: ugh. do we do we really want to? And it's like we kind of have to because it's part of with with the now inclusion of, you know, Xavier with through through uh, one of the later movies here. We need to discuss them. This is part of it, and this is part of the reason why we have continuity errors and and different branching timelines and all this other stuff. Now, like this movie, single handedly nearly tanked the whole thing and completely like reached uh redirected the 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 X Men franchise as a movie.
1: Yeah, this one was one of the ones that did more harm than good. And oh yeah, I think with. With that and and the bashing, I think it's time we take a quick (laughs) mid-break so that we can scrub our minds for a moment. Welcome
0: to the mid-break, where it's all business and no lore. That doesn't sound nearly as fun as I thought it would be. My apologies. First, we'd like to thank everyone that has stuck with us and are a part of the Patreon. You too can join in on the fun by joining up via the link in the episode description. We've got various tiers. Tier four gets you on the show for a patron chat. We would really love to have people to talk to at the end of the month and discuss whatever topic got voted on that day. So if you're looking to support our show, that's a great way to do it and helps you get on as well.
1: And if you can't support us financially, It would really help us out if you could drop a review on Apple or a five-star rating on Spotify. Any five-star reviews will be read in the mid-break on the show. We don't have a new one at this time, but we're looking forward to any that we may receive in the future.
0: Yep. Um, If you want to chat with us directly, you can always hit us up on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and or the Robots Radio Discord, where we have a channel specifically for this show. Uh, link for the Discord will also be in the show description. We have a great time talking to people. I was just talking to one of our more chattier people about Ghostwriter and how he really wants to see a new Ghostwriter in the MCU. So, you know, come in, talk with us. Speaking of shows on the Robots Radio, tell us about your other show, Shanko.
1: I am... One. I am the host of The Fight Space, which is one of the only female-led martial arts podcasts on the internet. We focus on the community, the stories, the history, and all of the surrounding continuity with martial arts without getting bogged down in any of the politics or the conspiracies, because that's no fun. Uh, It's a show about making the martial arts community accessible to the layman, so if you're interested in combat sports, martial arts, or anything like that, definitely check me out on the fight space.
0: Yeah, I just listened to an episode where she interviewed one of my friends, um, my good old friend Nate, on his time in the street beefs. Uh, It's a great episode, and they had a good time, it sounds like, at least talking about it and the absolute insanity of backyard street fighting.
1: It was definitely interesting to chat about something that is so different from the organized combat sports that i'm a little bit more accustomed to
0: but where else can we find you Psych? Uh, you can find me on the mass effect blue shift podcast it's a tabletop rpg podcast that uses the fate system we are citadel security agents solving crimes on the citadel and i play dashing human agent jack parizzo it's a lot of fun uh, episodes drop monthly on the first friday of the month Both of these shows that we just talked about are also part of the Robots Radio Network. And, in all honesty, I think that is it for our mid-break. So, let's hit some history. Okay. Oof. You want to talk about some characters that got uh, put through the ringer? Well, here they are. I'm not going to mention everyone who was in this movie. Like, there was a mutant who had a crystal... Skin transforming ability. Who was named Emma? It was theorized at the time that she was supposed to be Frost. She's not. We're not gonna discuss it. It's she's another mutant who has a similar ability. Also, Scott Summers made an appearance. Include and Xavier made an uncredited appearance as well. I'm not gonna discuss them as like whatever. Because first, I've covered a couple of them, and honestly, they don't really matter to the whole bit as it is. So first up is the dead-but-not-dead love interest Kayla Silverfox. She was introduced in the second volume of Wolverine, number 10, in August 1989 by Chris Claremont and John Buscema. Her powers are a healing factor. Like, her comic book counterpart just has a pretty good healing factor. It's unknown if it's on par with Logan's. She doesn't have this tactile, I-can-make-you-do-things power. Like, that's just not it at all. Also, her comic book counterpart was a member of Weapon X along with Wolverine, and it was during that time that they had sparked their relationship, and then they both left at the same time to go live as a lumberjack in, in Canada. So, they they borrowed parts of it and kind of just destroyed and mangled the rest. Uh, she was killed by Sabretooth at one point, so they got that much right at least.
1: They really like giving random characters other powers, don't they?
0: Yeah, like it just it it made no sense. It, it honestly does. not just I don't know if they wanted everyone to have something visually different because that is something that the X-Men franchise is all about. Every time a movie comes out, they want new mutants to explore power wise and visually and all that but at the same time it's also a detriment because if you're always trying to pull new people then you're not actually building up the other characters because you're always focusing on someone else all right we're going to talk about him here real quick i promise we will go into him in depth on his movie but we've got wade wilson introduced in the new mutants number 98 that's cover dated february 19 19- 91, uh, published December 11th, 1990, by Fabian Niceza and Rob Liefeld. Uh, initially, he was a villain. His popularity turned him into an anti-hero and sometime hero. And yes, he is a direct ripoff of Slade Wilson, A.K.A. Deathstroke from DC. Um, there is nothing about a Weapon 11, and we're not going to discuss Weapon 11, A.K.A. Freakpool freak pool next up we have chris bradley he was introduced in x-men unlimited number eight in october 1995 by howard mackie with co-artists tom Grummet and dan lawless his powers are more electric based in the comics than being a technopath in the movie and his only connection to weapon x the team is that he was mentored by Maverick, uh, aka Agent Zero, after a st- after he had a stint at Xavier's school. In the comics, he died from the legacy virus. And that was really the last anyone's had has heard of him. So how or why he got introduced to this, I literally don't know. Other than they wanted someone with tech powers. And they pulled his name out of a hat, I guess. Next, John Wraith. Introduced in the second volume of Wolverine, number 60, in September 1992 by Larry Hama and Dave Hoover. He was codenamed Kestrel in the comics, and he liked to use shaped charges and was a paranoid man all through his time. Like, he booby-traps his house, he booby-trapped areas around him, like, yeah, it was, he was a messed up guy, and he meets his end kind of badly in the comics. Next is Agent Zero. As I said, uh, he's also known as Maverick, but in the movie here, he's just Agent Zero. He was introduced in X-Men number 5, February 1992, by John Byrne with Jim Lee as co-writer and artist. In the comics, he absorbs kinetic energy through impact, with little to no harm done to him personally. Plus, he got an upgraded healing factor courtesy of Weapon X. He was also a highly skilled marksman and covert agent, whereas in the movie, I think they kind of just upped the marksmanship as his mutant power rather than um, the kinetic energy parts. Again, I, I, I just don't know why they changed so much about these characters. Like, yeah, they're kind of a niche set. You only know about them if you're like a really heavy Wolverine fan and you have been reading about... Weapon X and Team X and all this other stuff, but beyond that, I don't know why they changed them.
1: It seems like this is kind of a recurring trend with the X-Men films, where they rehash a character that doesn't need it, or they give a power set from a completely different character to a character that they already have existing in the plot to save money. I guess. Because... They don't know what else to do, or they can't find a creative way to use the power sets that already exist within their canon.
0: Yeah, I guess so. All right, so here's another character who was a massive disservice: Fred Dukes, A.K.A. the Blob. He was introduced in the X-Men number three, January 1964, by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. In that, he was kind of a circus sideshow act where he used his mass and powers as a combined strong and fat man act. In his debut issue, he was brought to the Xavier School for study and he was offered a spot on the team, but he's a bad guy, so his ego and his greed got in the way, and that has marked him forever as a lifelong villain to the X-Men after that. He has no connection to Weapon X. So it's very unclear to me as why he was brought on. And his use in the movie was offensive. Like there's just no real good way around that. It was just offensively done. (laughs) Yeah. In the comics, he can generate a personal gravity field that makes him immovable. And so, and on top of uh, superhuman strength and durability, like built kind of into his skin. So, like, literally, that's why he's called the Blob. Because he doesn't get moved unless he wants to be moved. There's only been a couple of things that have overcome his own powers, which are the Juggernaut, the hulk and i'm forgetting the third one but it was it was a big like big one there's ways around it like you can pick up the ground underneath him and toss him which is something colossus had done at one time but that's like a workaround not so much a way of actually defeating like head on with the blob all right next we've got remy lebeau aka gambit uh, first seen in the Uncanny X-Men annual number 14 and that was July 1990 but he was not introduced to the main story until the Uncanny X-Men number 266 which is August 1990 so it's uh, kind of a coin toss whichever one you want to have first Uh, both by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Gambit's got a long sordid history with the X-Men including working with Mr. Sinister, being a death of apocalypse, and always having an ace up his sleeve. Recently, he married Rogue, and they are trying to make it work in the post-Dawn of X world that Jonathan Hickman has brought to us. It's, to me, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it up until very recently, Um, but we can discuss that later. Fun fact, Claremont was wanting to set up Remy, As the third Summer's brother, but that idea was eventually scrapped and given to another character. There is a whole arc where Remy gets, like, insanely powerful with his kinetic abilities. Where not only can he charge organic material, but he also doesn't have to touch it (laughs) to do it.
1: That's broken.
0: Yes, it doesn't last very long. But uh, it was... It was a, like, to me, I thought it was a really cool way to show how his power could evolve over time. Um, On top of being able to kinetically charge stuff by touching them, he also has, as part of, like, I think that kinetic energy, he has faster reflexes and a more acrobatic skill overall, like body awareness and stuff because of his kinetic energy usage.
1: I wanted so much more from Gambit.
0: We all wanted more.
1: And, like, is the, I I miss there were those rumors about the Channing Tatum movie going around that, like, never happened. And then. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of glad it didn't. Yeah. To be fair, because I don't think Channing Tatum is the guy. I real I, I like Channing Tatum. I do. I don't think he's the guy for Gambit. I, I didn't mind this guy that played him for this film. I thought he just got shafted be- by a terrible script.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, terrible direction, terrible script. Just, it was, like I said earlier, it was just a bad movie to include a good character and a fairly decent actor on. It was just a waste. All right, before we get into our big three, uh, I've got two guys to talk about that are missing in action characters. James McDonald Hudson and Heather Hudson. These guys are part of Alpha Flight. Uh, They are Vindicator and Guardian In the comics, they are the people who found Logan after his escape from the Weapon X facility, and they helped him regain his humanity long before his turn to the X-Men. The old couple that I mentioned earlier in the movie that saved Logan, they are a reference to these Hudsons. It is not exactly clear other than they just didn't have room for another set of characters to not include them. But yeah, they they weren't they weren't here part of the movie, but they are absolutely necessary to the healing of Wolverine that he needs to go through. And of course, he's involved in a you know weird tryst where he's fallen in love with Heather Hudson, James can't stand it, and Heather doesn't make up her mind. It, it He falls for the love complication trope, like, so badly all the time. It's very frustrating.
1: I don't know what to do with Wolverine. Let's put him in a love triangle. <laughs> yeah, basically.
0: Okay, so I mentioned all of them. Now we got the big three. And first one here is just William Stryker again. Um, I'm not going to go much more because I've already covered everything that really isn't there to be said about him in our X2 episode. And really, the only reason he's in this movie is because of the established history of X2. That's it. Like, that's the only reason he's here. Otherwise, in the comic books, Striker has absolutely nothing to do with the creation of Wolverine at all.
1: The name just sounded cool, man.
0: In in doing this, they have completely shot themselves in the foot for a good Purifiers arc, which especially in this day and age, a storyline like that could really get people talking about race and uh, and equality and stuff. And and having who sh- and having Striker be this military colonel who or general who murders other people and still somehow gets invites to the white house it's all just it's all messed up
1: it's the alexander pierce dichotomy right they picked a name that sounded cool and made a character that is completely different from their comic book counterpart in everything but the name exactly
0: yep all right so we're going to talk about this guy because we really didn't discuss him in the first x-men movie because we had this one. Victor Creed, aka Sabretooth. He was introduced in Iron Fist number 14 in August 1977 by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Originally, he was intended to be a villain for Iron Fist and was moved over to become a foe of Wolverine's after the uh, mutant massacre event in the comics. It's unclear as who had this idea if it was Byrne or Claremont. They intended for Sabretooth to be Wolverine's father, but other writers, uh, having written Wolverine over the time, they just they just didn't do it. They, they went other directions with Wolverine and Sabretooth. So they tried to set it up. No one took the bait and widely diverged from there. There is a line called X-Men Forever that is Claremont's take. He basically backs up to where he left X-Men and he picks right up from there in an alternate timeline and he establishes Sabretooth as Wolverine's father in that. When he was up against Iron Fist, he was not a mutant. He was just a savage assassin that had a really good, you know, fighting style to himself, I guess. And that was later retcon along with the Mutant Massacre event. And I can only say that the movie captured his villainy pretty well overall. Like, Leav Schreiber brought forth a savagery to Sabretooth that we really just didn't get in the first X-Men movie, but in all honesty, that Sabretooth just didn't have a whole lot to work with. They just didn't use him much more past mindless brute, unfortunately.
1: Is bad guy.
0: <laughs> is is big brooding bad guy. Yeah. That that was it.
1: I think Schreiber was the guy to bring that more intelligent savagery to. Because I think he played a- I mean, you know, I think he was also one of the better takeaways because I did like him as- as Sabretooth.
0: Yes. Yes. He was a better- he was a better part for this movie. But he also represents, you know, this weird dichotomy, right, of you've got this savage, intelligent Sabretooth, and then in 20 years he becomes the Sabretooth that the X-Men fight? like literally. What happens to, to make him not quite as good? Lastly, Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine, also known as James Howlett, he had a cameo appearance in The Incredible Hulk number 180 in October 1974, with a full appearance in The Incredible Hulk number 181 in no, in November 1974 by Roy Thomas, Lynn Nguyen, and John Romita, Sr., he joins the X-Men in Giant Size X-Men number 1 in 1975. Claremont and Cockrum had considered dropping Wolverine from the X-Men, but Byrne joined the party and fought to keep him as a fellow Canadian. I don't know. There's, there's so much about Wolverine that bothers me that he gets so much mystery and involvement. And it's like, how do you stick all of that into the timeline? To, to really make it have any kind of sense. He doesn't remember who he is, but he speaks perfectly flawless Japanese from a time before he was the Wolverine with the Metal Claws. Oh, and then also, uh, he's part of three different secret covert agencies before he becomes part of the X-Men. Mm? What? He had a whole secret life before that, but he forgot it because of trauma and he had another uh, triangle way back in the day like it's just there's just so much to Wolverine that I just can't wrap my head around how you can justify all of that in a single character and it and it really annoys me. He people um get upset about Mary Sues all the time and yet we overlook Wolverine. Wolverine's a Mary Sue in my opinion at least. I'm sure someone on the internet will contradict me, and I don't care.
1: It's because he's Canadian.
0: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopty do. <laughs> like, whatever. All right.
1: Yeah, he's your uh, your your feelings about Wolverine.
0: Yes. All right. My last bit is an actual comic book that we have tied into this, and it's the Origin comic book, that was released between November. Uh, two thousand one in July two thousand two was a six-part miniseries that was written by Bill Jimmus, Paul Jenkins, and Joe Quesada, with art provided by Andy Kubert and Richard Isenova. Um, uh, this details the origin of James Howlett, the first time he used his claws, and how his mutant healing factor shuts down his mind to protect him from trauma. Like that's literally what happens. Um, there is Thomas Logan. The groundskeeper, he kills uh, James Howlett uh, the second, who is, uh, you know, the supposed father. There was apparently another son at the time who had died beforehand and it had caused the mother to go basically insane. And there is also the half-brother, and who names their kid this, but his name is Dog Logan, And he is the groundskeeper's son and half-brother to James. But he is not Sabretooth. That is very, very, very clear. He is not Sabretooth.
1: No, he's Dog. (laughs) He's (laughs) Dog. I just, who
0: looked at that and said, yeah, that's something people totally name their kids in the mid 19th century they're totally naming their kids dog
1: <laughs> what's up dog
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a whole dumpster fire in and of itself yes and here's the best part right
0: i like i said this this miniseries. it came out in the very early aughts and this movie came out much later and so they obviously they pulled parts of it into the the opening act there but it's well established and yet they caught they they insert Sabretooth as the the as the dog half brother um like they took it and just went um we're going to take these parts out and just leave the rest but the rest of it was necessary to make this make any kind of a lick of sense okay i'm done talking about this movie and this pile of garbage
1: this is definitely not a high point for the X Men. In fact, some might say it's the lowest point. And if it's not, it's pretty close. It's pretty close.
0: Well, so right, and let's look at it in the uh, combined senses. Right. So we've got we had X Men, we had X Two, then we had the downturn that was X Three, and then we come out with this. So now we've got two. Critically panned X-Men movies. And yet, for whatever reason, they go again for another for another Wolverine story. The Wolverine. Instead of trying to, like, fix some of the issues the X-Men franchise was having, they just kind of tripled down on this.
1: They were all in on Wolverine already. They were like, it's too late. We're past the point of no return. It's Wolverine or nothing. Hugh Jackman? you're getting in shape again, we're gonna put you in the white tank top, you're gonna wear the claws, they may or may not be made of metal. Good luck. Good luck and peace out. <laughs> Logan's like, lol, I forgot about my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> the supposed love of my life. Yep. <laughs> oh, she dead.
0: <laughs> oh, that woman's dead. My scent's all over her, but doesn't matter. I don't know who she is. Uh, she's, all of it, all of it was so just awful just awful next week we are continuing my long slog through the wolverine movies and we will discuss the wolverine which arguably is an actual better movie overall and is somewhat enjoyable uh but yeah
1: and once again gratuitous but we'll talk about it next week God, yes.
0: But yes, next week, next week, the Wolverine. And until then, have fun
1: everyone. Night everyone
0: As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network for hosting and mentoring. In 7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork pipe men a veteran and friend for the outstanding music our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this and you our fans without whom this would be a vanity project let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on apple or a rating on spotify and to quote "Stand the man enough said So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get
1: your podcasts. And always remember... Swoop.